Welcome to Football with Grant Wall. Thanks so much for joining me. Today's interview guest is Shannon McCarthy, a former University of Miami player with a fascinating story. She's one of six Americans playing on a team in Kazakhstan that is currently in the Women's UEFA Champions League round of 16. We've had some great guests lately, including Shet Messing, Kevin Williams, and Crystal Dunn. I also encourage you to check out my podcast series, American Prodigy, The Freddie Adu Story. All eight episodes are out and bingeable. We'll have Shannon McCarthy on soon, but let's start with some talk about the soccer world with my friend Chris Whittingham, the radio voice of Inter Miami and a co-host of the Chelsea Miked Up podcast. Chris, thanks for joining me. How are you, my friend? Doing all right. Honored to be the second most noteworthy University of Miami hurricane on the pod today. (laughs) Nice. Very cool. That's a really interesting interview, and probably not too many people out there have heard of Shannon McCarthy, but to go to play in Kazakhstan with five other Americans in Women's UEFA Champions League is a pretty interesting story that I think you want to listen to. But let's talk about some big games over the weekend around Europe. And let's start with Atletico Madrid 1, Real Madrid 1. And maybe the winner here, people are saying, is actually Barcelona, which is now within three points of Atletico Madrid in La Liga. But really interesting game. Incident packed, as we were talking about earlier. What stood out the most to you about this game? Well, it was really Atletico not putting the game away when they had the chance. And it wasn't kind of a typical Atletico game. I saw them away, uh, or rather at home, away in the Champions League against Chelsea. And it kind of reminded me of same old Atletico. And so going into this game, I was kind of thinking that, you know, once I saw their 1-0 up, it's all right, close up shop. But then you see, they created a bunch of chances. And with better finishing, they could have been 2 or 3-0 up. And the fact that they didn't put it away, for me, it really is their chance to, if not win the league, then at least have a real stranglehold on the league. Yes, they still have a game in hand against Barcelona, but they're starting to drop a few more results. So kind of laying down a mark in the Madrid derby for me uh, would have been such a huge win for them. And they've let this opportunity go by. I want to give Luis Suarez some credit because the, the goal that Atleti did score was really well constructed on the counter. Llorente just breaks free. How did Ray Hudson put it? Like a senator to Cancun? (laughs) (laughs) Phil Shane, Phil Shane, his partner, who, by the way, is on sort of the opposite side of the (laughs) the feds, did not respond, I noticed, but um, thought that was a great call from Ray Hudson. And then I almost think Suarez's finish was underrated. He's going at speed and with his right foot, he's on the right side of the goal with his right foot, hits it with the outside of his boot. Trivella, I I think, is a fair way to describe it, but not your typical Trivella in the sense that I'm so used to seeing Ricardo Quaresma do them to pass the (laughs) ball because he can't hit the ball a certain way, any other way. But Suarez did that because if he had tried to hit it normally, the spin would have probably taken it wide of the goal and he does it with his right boot so that it spins into the goal past Courtois. It was just, just a, 
a remarkable piece of finishing, I thought. And yet still, the second most noteworthy outside of the boot use in the game, uh, the <laughs> top being Luka Modric trying to win the game in second half stoppage time from a free kick going outside of the boot. What are you doing? But either way, no, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, Luis Suarez, who's been a revelation really for, not, not a revelation because he's always been a good La Liga player, but uh, there was kind of a thought that Luis Suarez as a top-level striker at a top-level club that that time had passed. And his season for Atleti is among the reasons why they are top of the league. So you're right. That was an absolute class finish. And as you mentioned, that move from Marcus Llorente to start the move uh, was just that one little piece of skill that you need to be away and then slides in a really good ball for Suarez, who makes no mistake with the finish. Yeah, and then Kareem Benzema, who'd been denied by some great goalkeeping by Jan Oblak uh, as the game was getting late, does eventually finish, gets the equalizer, and we've seen Benzema score a lot of big goals. This is just another one of them. And it sort of keeps Madrid into things. I know they would have preferred to get three points here, but to get at least one and keep it ready from getting three, not a bad thing. And, you know, this I feel like this Real Madrid team isn't the same without Sergio Ramos in particular. They've been missing a fair amount of guys lately. And, and so... You know, we'll see where they go from here. But as they say in Spain, I Liga. There is a league. <laughs> uh, there is some competition here. And and that's not a bad thing. Shout out to uh, to Sid Lowe, because I would not know that phrase if not for Sid Lowe. But there's like uh, every week there's a check. I Liga or no I Liga? <laughs> and uh, and uh, there definitely is league uh, this year. But uh, for me, uh, when you're just looking at Real, it's just kind of an absence of game-changing players, which is funny when you consider the amount of money that they spend on the squad, right? I mean, it is still kind of the same guys from the same generation of the last seven years. I mean, that's a kind of a long time to stick with the same core. But other than Kareem Benzema, there isn't a double-digit goal scorer in the side. And the top assist provider is Tony Kroos with seven. So uh, there just isn't that kind of game-breaking ability, even though I thought Vinicius had an absolutely extraordinary bit of play. He goes outside of the boot to play it to Benzema, who, as you mentioned, was denied by Oblak, who I thought was tremendous on the day. Let's move on to Germany. Another big game over the weekend, Der Klassiker. Bayern Munich 4, Borussia Dortmund 2 after a wild start to this game with Erling Haaland putting Dortmund up. Do nothing early with two two goals and you feel like, wow, this is going to be a change of things. Dortmund's always struggled, it seems like, at Bayern in recent years. And sure enough, inevitably... Lewandowski and Bayern come back and end up storming away for a 4-2 win here. And I'm wondering if, what does this say here, like about, about Dortmund, about Bayern? Does it, does it show you that Bayern is just different from basically every other team in Europe? Yeah, I, I, I tweeted this, but I kind of think that Bayern are the only team right now where regardless of competition, because you could say it about City as well, but City today were 2-0 down and we'll get to it uh, and didn't ultimately make that comeback. Yes, Bayern have dropped results this year. They have not been as strong as they were a year ago when they won every game they played under Hansi Flick. But there is still that feeling with those players on the pitch that you don't count them out, that there isn't an off day where they're just not going to summon a response of some kind. The number of results that they've actually clawed back in the Bundesliga, I'm, I'm going to look this up at some point, from 2-0 down is remarkable because I feel like they're 2-0 down every week and they manage to draw or win matches from those positions. So there is still that inevitability about them that even at 2-0 down against Borussia Dortmund after a quarter of an hour, you know that Borussia Dortmund have to sweat it out. They're going to have to work their 
their socks off, and it still probably won't be enough because Bayern just have so much quality. Leroy Sané to create the first goal was fantastic. And then Lewandowski is just, you know, a clinical finisher. You give him that chance, he will put it away. And I think Dortmund, it was pretty clear. You're watching the match, and okay, the scoreline is telling me one thing, but you kind of know that Bayern are going to finish this comeback and Dortmund cannot hang on for as long as they were asked to hang on for. And sure enough, it's not only three, uh, which I think came in the 90th minute, but then four came very soon. It was like they were done showing the replays and the fourth went in. Yeah, really impressive from Bayern Munich. Uh, This game was on ABC, uh, being shown on free network TV. First time for the Bundesliga. And and I tweeted something that I really believe strongly, and I don't know if anyone's going to listen to me, but the idea that one or two big European games, I feel like, should be on free network TV every weekend. And we actually had that this weekend. If you include that Telemundo, free network TV, showed the Manchester Derby. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like if we're trying to find a balance here where I know companies need to make money and keep their stuff behind a paywall for the most part, but... They also, in the long term, want to create more fans of the sport in the United States. And there's a much bigger ceiling to be had here, unlike in Europe, where most of those fans are already created. I feel like this is the right balance, that if you have a chance to see two big games, free network TV as a kid in this country each weekend, that eventually, sooner, maybe later, you might pay five bucks for a paywall to see all of the Bundesliga or all of the Premier League. I just hope we see this more often on ABC. I hope we see games from Italy on ABC occasionally. Or, um, you know, I'm Sp- you know, Spain's got a situation, right, because they're just not on a... a the rights mm-hmm. in the U.S. aren't owned by an outlet that can put Barca, Real Madrid on free network television yet. So... Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I, I just hope ABC ESPN does more of this. Yeah, and I appreciate your advocacy for this because I do think that, you know, the, the, the pressure and the kind of media attention on, it would be great if this was on network television, but I kind of experienced both ends of the spectrum with this match because while I did immensely appreciate that the game was on ABC, part of the reason why it's not is because I live in Miami, Fort Lauderdale, the Nielsen DMA, and our local TV station did not put the game Ugh. on we were we, we saw an infomercial now our our fox affiliate used to do this all the time and it drove me crazy even when they had the premier league and put things on network fox uh but our local abc station and actually they joined into pro i don't know when but at 12 30 when the game kicked off it wasn't on and at some point they put the game on either 1 or 1 30 after they had finished their paid programming so i guess in, in some respects the audience demand has to be there but the only way to create the audience demand is, is to put the programming on in the first place so as you said that exposure is really good and you're seeing more sports you know like for example the NFL is really the only sport that must be on network television but everything else is either on cable or behind a paywall because that's where you make your money I I heard John Skipper uh talk about how the college football playoff is worth 300 million on ESPN and 200 million on ABC because Mm -hmm. the increase in subscription fees is such a big deal so I I understand, obviously, the media companies have their goals, but from an exposure standpoint, it's great for our sport if it's on network television. Yeah, that absolutely kills me what the Miami network affiliates do for for soccer games. And you're right, they did that with the Fox affiliate a lot as well. Mm -hmm. Not like there aren't any soccer fans in Miami. Uh, (laughs) I mean, yeah, but at least I would also say this, ABC 
wasn't the only place showing Der Klassiker. It was also available on ESPN+. Which is where I watched it, yeah. Right, so uh, at least Wait, Which, is, which is, is also your complaint as well, right? Where, you know, if you are going to have a streaming product carrying the rights to things, make all the games available, right. which is what they've done here, right? If you pay your $5 a month, then you get every single Bundesliga game, even if it is on ABC also. Right. Um, let's go to Manchester. Man City nil, Man United 2 Man City's 21-game winning streak in all competitions is over. And in, I think basically every one of those games, Man City had yet to trail even until uh, this game today against Man United. And I don't know what to say here because, like, in the big picture, if you're a Man United fan, I would think you would see the data now. Okay, they've won three straight times in the league at City. So they're capable of doing this. Why don't? Why doesn't United do this more often? Why aren't they in competition mm-hmm. to win the league? Well, and I, I heard uh, Gary Neville on his podcast after the match talk about a really interesting point, which is that it makes United fans, which he is one, think about their performances against Arsenal and against Chelsea and against these other big teams where they had the handbrake on. They were scared to attack and scared to leave themselves vulnerable at the back. And he said, the only way that Manchester United are going to, leave, are, are going to win this league is if they expose themselves at the back. And sometimes you get beat, but more often you have to try and exert your dominance. And they came at City today. And fair play to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer because he gets all kinds of criticism. Some of it deserves, some of it not. But he's figured out a way to go away to the Etihad and, as you mentioned, pull off three consecutive victories against one of the best teams in the country and as you mentioned against a team that has won 21 matches in a row and I don't think the match was particularly close I thought beyond the two goals United still had the best chances right Anthony Martial was cleaned in and Ederson makes a good save there's another header that kind of came off softly off of Martial that he could have scored like they had more opportunities and City really only had that effort from Rodrigo that hit the that hit the crossbar that was really that close of a goal scoring opportunity so City were off today, and you can kind of tell pretty quickly with uh, Guardiola City in the first kind of 10 minutes if they're on it, if they're sharp, and today just wasn't one of those days, and United uh, ends this winning run, which I'm sure is something as City steamrolls through the league in their own city, uh, ha- has to take some pleasure at least. All right, we-, we slowed them down, we took that winning streak away from them, and now United can probably aim to finish a good second, right? At least a- accumulate a good points total, and at some point head into next season thinking that they can win these games more often. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess, for, you know, if you're a United fan, you got to feel good about this uh, for, for one day here. And uh, you look at what is happening in the Premier League right now, and there's teams like Liverpool that are really, really struggling. And a sixth straight home league loss today uh, for Liverpool, this one to Fulham. So, like, it's, it's not just that they're losing at home to, to Chelsea and Everton, they're losing at home to Burnley, to Fulham, to Brighton. And I, it just seems like the wheels have come off for Liverpool. Interestingly, they're still in a good spot to advance to the quarterfinals uh, of Champions League against Leipzig. And Leipzig must now be thinking, you know what? We might have a shot here in this return leg. Um, at what point am I ahead of myself in, in wondering if... Like, this is a Klopp's last season at Dortmund type situation, or are there too many extenuating circumstances that have put Liverpool in this position? Because it's not the exact same season that he had in his last year at Dortmund, because they were 
like in, it, at the very bottom of the Bundesliga table for the first half of that season. That wasn't the case. They were in first place at Christmas, if you recall. Yep. But like, what do you think of Klopp in this situation? Well, I don't think you're ahead of yourself in terms of the conversation being started because I was having it today with a few of my friends. Um, but my feeling with this, and I think back as well to Pochettino being let go by Spurs, I was kind of, not heartbroken, but I was kind of like hurt that a guy who had just made the Champions League final didn't get a chance to work his way out of it. The, and, and you know, it, you could have made a similar argument about Guardiola at City kind of halfway through this season when it seemed like they were going to be well off the pace and not anywhere near winning the league. And then all of a sudden they win 21 in a row. And I think Klopp has earned the right to work his way out of this unless he wants out, right? Which we don't know at the end of Dortmund kind of how much was him saying, all right, I've run my course here and how much is, you know, just the, the, the club moving on. But I think Klopp has earned the right to work his way out of this. It, as, as you mentioned, they're in a good spot to make the quarterfinals of the Champions League. Honestly, I wouldn't be that stunned if they won it. And I know that sounds crazy given how poorly they, <laughs> they, they are right now. They lost to they have, at home today. Like, I know, but they, they have a really good record in Europe. And, and their performances this year in Europe have not really been in keeping with what's happened to them in the Premier League. So I, I really would not be that surprised if they found enough European night performances to, to at least make a run in the tournament. Um, but at the same time, I, I think that Klopp, even with as poorly as this season has gone, if they, get, if they go out in the Champions League in the next round, if they finish in eighth, he has earned the right, in my view, after winning every trophy there is to win other than the Carabao Cup at Liverpool, right? right. To, to be able to work his way out of trouble and next year get a new crop of players and see if they can go again. Yeah, I think so too. And I do think if Klopp were to not stay after this season, that would be his choice, not mm -hmm. the club. I think the club, I don't feel like their owners are, you know, over overly quick to react in that mm -hmm. kind of way. And I think deep down, they might realize they could have helped out themselves a, a very difficult situation just personnel wise in January that I don't think they really did enough on mm -hmm. or even you could say heading into the season to provide enough cover because look if Van Dyke doesn't get hurt thanks Jordan Pickford uh I, I think <laughs> we're in a much we're talking about a much different situation I realize I've lost more guys than than Van Dyke but that really has been the the original seed of all of this and it certainly impacted what we've seen. I personally think Klopp will be there next season and will get an opportunity to take Liverpool back up to what we were seeing from them, honestly, through just, what, the end of December. And they had done a lot of that without Van Dyke, by the way, which yeah. which is interesting. I, I think it was just like a critical mass of their depth. Also, I mean, you lose Gomez, you lose Matip, and, and it's like, it's a, it's a Jenga tower, and you're playing so many games. And I think that's, you know, they, like, for example, we rested Trent Alexander-Arnold today, because he can't play in every game, and Nico Williams is the best they got, and you know Fulham get a really get get some good chances going at Nico Williams down that right side. I want to talk real quick to end up here about a couple of things. Some good American goal scorers, lots of them over the weekend here. Brendan Aronson scored again. He's scoring more goals for Salzburg, I think, than he did for Philadelphia. Even Taylor Booth, the American on loan in that same game against Salzburg for St. Poulton on loan from Bayern Munich, scored the first goal in that I was game. Excited. I was excited that uh, Tyler Boyd scored today for Sivaspor. Yeah, they got a, they got a point against uh, Galatasaray. So, they did. Uh, that's a game that's meaningful in the, in the Turkish league. Good to see Tyler Boyd 
scoring. The the best goal, and I, we saw uh, Josh Sargent scored in the Bundesliga, so don't overlook that. The best goal by an American this weekend was Daryl DK for yes. Barnsley, who basically tore the net off of goal from distance. <laughs> uh, like, with the kind of force that I think anybody in the world watches that goal and it is like, holy smokes, this guy is a finisher. His third goal already for Barnsley. Don't know if Barnsley can afford him. Do you think somebody even at a higher position might be able to or want him now? Well, we should say that Barnsley right now are in a promotion playoff place in yes. the championship. And also we should say that they have an option to buy on Daryl DK, which I believe is $20 million yeah. and 16 million pounds or 17 million. I don't know what the, con- the, the conversion rate is, but I mean, for a Premier League striker, it's not that much. So there is a possibility that Barnsley could potentially exercise, exercise his option to buy. But most importantly, he's generating an impression in a league that is always looking for center forwards and particularly big ones as well right the championship is this league that strength is a huge part of and and pace and and those kinds of attributes and so DK with that goal just kind of clearly demonstrates and it's been really interesting to see as well kind of the reaction from the Barnsley supporters I always check underneath the the tweets in which they they announce their goals and I I kind of Twitter search Daryl DK their fans seem to love him and love him even when he wasn't scoring goals so uh, for me uh, the idea that he's kind of generating this impression in a league in which any kind of new blood that can be a proven goal scorer is so welcome I, I do think that Orlando will have a market even at the end of this loan and it'll be curious to see kind of if they decide to cash in now that that the value is hot and probably you know just throw a sell-on clause in there just to make sure if he becomes this world superstar that they at least get uh, some of those profits. But it's a really good position for Orlando to be in right now. It's a good story too, because Daryl DK is going to the top of the the center forward charts for the U.S. men's national team at this point, I would have to think. I know it's three goals. It's not more than that. You know, Matthew Hoppe had uh, (laughs) had like three three games and five goals and and (laughs) has basically been Jeremy Lin ever since. Um, but is that bad to call to call him that already? <laughs> I mean, he's not scoring goals, but it's also, it's really hard to score goals for Schalke. Let's be real. True. I, I, I think it's pretty impressive that they actually won a game that he was involved in because like even since then, they've had the coaching staff removed again. The number of coaches they've had at Schalke this year is incredible. One last thing I want to talk about before we get to Shannon McCarthy, Ron Burkle pulls the plug on his Sacramento MLS expansion team. And we didn't get to this last week, so I wanted to ask you about it this week. Do you think that's it for Sacramento, or do you think they'll find a way to make it happen now that their billionaire majority owner is gone, leaving them in the lurch? Or do you see this now as potentially Phoenix or Las Vegas finding a way to get in? I hope not for Sacramento, and and for the the main reason is that it really is so different to every other country in the world. Now, your your ability to gain promotion sometimes rests on the whims of a billionaire, but your existence doesn't rely on the whims of a billionaire. And so, I do think that this notion that unless Sacramento can find another billionaire, they're not good enough for MLS, doesn't make any sense to me. Because Sacramento, I think, amongst the you know the lower league clubs in USL and NASL, have built out their operation as well as anybody. If you watch their right. matches, their stadium is always sold out. What they built, I think, is one of the most sustainable and best USL clubs 
in in the league's history. And FC Cincinnati, they generated that impression. They went on that cup run, and they were on you know a rocket ship up to MLS. They had the ownership, but. It does bother me that Sacramento would kind of lose what they've built on the basis of them not having a rich enough guy in charge of their team. Like I, I don't I don't like that's not the merit to me on which teams should go up from lower leagues or how expansion should be granted. But look, Charlotte got a team because they have a very rich guy in charge and you know, and he's he's laying down legitimate infrastructure and I think that club will be a really successful club because of David Tepper but it does kind of bum me out that Sacramento has done so much to become an MLS city isn't going to get it because some rich guy decided well the pandemic's hurting me so I'm out I totally agree with you and I, I, I really hope Sacramento finds a way to get into MLS. I think the fans deserve it. The culture there deserves it. They've put a lot of time and effort and sweat equity in over a long period of time. That said, do we agree that if a billionaire comes in tomorrow who wants to put a team in to Phoenix or Vegas that MLS probably would go in that direction? Yeah, I mean, probably, yeah, because if you're thinking about it from a from a market standpoint, from a sales standpoint, I, I think you'd probably start with Vegas. Vegas has proven to be a good sports city with the Raiders and with the Golden Knights. I imagine the other major leagues are going to want to at least think about it, particularly as uh, gambling becomes loosened up here in the country. And I think, you know, soccer is probably, uh, th- th- that's an area that can be explored more. So I do think, Vegas probably skyrockets to the top of that list. Phoenix, another great USL club that should get a real shout at Major League Soccer. But in my view, I think Vegas would kind of skyrocket to the to the top of the ranking straight away. All right. Always a pleasure to talk to you, Chris. Many thanks. Thanks, Grant. Let's take a quick break and I'll ask you a question. Do you ever want to watch Spain's La Liga or Copa Libertadores and get frustrated because they're not available on your cable or satellite system? You should try a streaming service I use that I love. It's called Fanatis with a Z, and you can watch all the action from La Liga, Copa Libertadores, and other international leagues and tournaments live and on demand from your favorite device, whether it's a mobile phone, a tablet, or directly on your TV with the Fanatis app. You can also watch the top leagues from France, Turkey, Brazil, and Argentina. Fanatis features channels you know, like VN Sports in English and Spanish, Gold TV, and many more. And it costs as little as $7.99 a month. If you'd like to try Fanatis for yourself, you can get a free week-long trial by clicking on the link in the episode description or by going to fntz.co slash grant fz. One more time, that's fntz.co slash grant-fz. Thank you very much to Fanatis for sponsoring this episode. Fanatis, the world's largest stadium. Now, here's my interview with Shannon McCarthy. Our guest now comes to us all the way from Kazakhstan. Shannon McCarthy played soccer at the University of Miami in Florida And now she is playing in the Women's UEFA Champions League round of 16 for the Kazakh club Beek Kazagurt with five other Americans, Kennedy Rose, Stasia Malin, Brooke Denisik, Natalie Muth, and Brenna Connell. Shannon, congratulations on being in the round of 16, advancing to that stage. And thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. I appreciate that. I mean, there's a lot to talk about here, my friend, but let's sort of dive in here. 
now I have, you know, I have always thought of the United States in women's soccer as being similar to Brazil in men's soccer. And that includes exporting professional players to countries and leagues around the world. And when I saw that there were six Americans on this Champions League team in Kazakhstan's third largest city, I started thinking there must be a story there. Could you explain to me how you ended up playing in the city of Shimkent, Kazakhstan? Like, what's the story there? <laughs> it's definitely random uh, <laughs> of all places in the world, but it's um, one of those hidden gems. Um, I think the first thought is, oh my gosh, you're, you're where? <laughs> here in what country? But... Uh, I mean, there's a million people in my city. It feels like um, any other metropolitan area. Um, and we definitely come for the soccer side of things. Um, mm -hmm. This is a very competitive uh, club on the European scale. Um, and to get the Champions League experiences, everything. So if you have to make a sacrifice and um, to, you know, maybe play in an area where, okay, there might not be glorious, you know, vacation areas or glorious beaches or anything like that. But when you get, uh, when you finish in the top 16 in Europe, it's, that's a sacrifice you're willing to make. And so myself and the other five girls um, have that same mindset. And here we are. <laughs> <laughs> so when did you first hear about the possibility of going to Kazakhstan to play for a club? Mm -hmm. So my, my agent, actually, shout out to Michael with PFC um, Management. He... Uh, has has a good working relationship with um, the head coach here. And um, at that point in my professional career, I had had experience in Asia and I had experience in Europe. And um, a good career move for me was to uh, get a taste of that Champions League tournament. And so I've this is my second year now, I'm going on my third year with the club and I've played in the from the qualifying round to um, you know thirty two and beyond, and so it's it's a great tournament. I think UEFA does a fantastic job, and to be the little club that could out of Kazakhstan is really is really awesome. Everyone loves an underdog story. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. I, I mm -hmm. mean, what year did you graduate from the University of Miami, and? And what have you done since then in professional soccer? Oh, man. I, I graduated in uh, 2016. I finished right at the end of uh, my eligibility in the fall. Mm -hmm. And about a month later, I played my first season in Japan. Mm -hmm. And after one season in Japan, I wanted to make that shift to mainland Europe. So that's when um, I put my time in in Sweden. And from there, I, I've been here. And the rest is history. Okay. So it's always kind of climbing that, kind of climbing that ladder. Um, 
No, it's, I mean, it's really interesting. I mean, like where, I guess I should probably for our listeners ask the question, where are you in Kazakhstan? Where, where is this? And, and, and how do we, how do you even get there if you want to fly there? So I am in the Southern region of Kazakhstan. Mm-hmm. The country is massive. Like right. huge, like top five. I think I'm think geographically, like square mileage, it's top five. Um, and so to our far east is China. We are south of Russia. Um, so it's that post-Soviet Union um, group of countries. So Uzbekistan. Um, is we share a border with Uzbekistan, uh, Turkmenistan is around Kyrgyzstan. Um, so I actually have teammates who are from Kyrgyzstan. Um, and to, in order to fly here, it is, uh, normally you would go from obviously one of the major international airports and, the U.S. I always fly out of New York, mm-hmm. um, so it's normally like New York to Moscow or New York mm-hmm. to Istanbul and Turkey, and then you get your flight into Shimken. Okay, gotcha. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, like just to give people an idea here, we're doing this interview. At, it's a, an eleven-hour time difference. Mm-hmm. from where I am in New York. So it's 9 p.m. when we started this on a Friday night, which is like, I think, 8 a.m. in the morning on Saturday, yes. <laughs> your time. Yep, I'm, I got my cup of coffee right here. It's already Saturday <laughs> for me. Um, I mean, like, do you know how the other American players got to your club? Is it a similar story to yours? Yes. Um, so myself and... Brenna and Stasia and Brooke, uh, we all work with the same agent. And okay. um, Natalie and Kennedy, they also um, are working with an agent, but not not the same. Okay. Um, I, their, their stories are uh, <laughs> a little different because I'm a little bit older. I only okay. want to say a little bit. <laughs> Some gotcha. of them are like fresh off, you know, fresh off the boat. Others have um, uh, been here as long as I have, almost. Um, but it's it's interesting as far as, you know, even um, college experiences. So not just the time, but the actual life experiences that bring us all here. Um, makes for a good team. Yeah. I, what is what is day to day life for you like living in Kazakhstan mm-hmm. and living in Kazakhstan mm-hmm. during a pandemic that everyone's dealing with? Day to day, I mean, yes, it's a lot of eat, sleep, soccer. Yeah. You know, it's the life. <laughs> but uh, I think the country itself has definitely exceeded my expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that I think COVID is, you know, it's one of those things, you know, each you can say each country is going to deal with it separately. But then you could also go each city is going to deal with it separately. Each business owner is going to deal with it, you know, in, in their own way. Um, I think 
the country is managing. Um, we're a little in in that bubble effect, um, mm-hmm. especially with the with the tournament going on right now. Our coach mm-hmm. is really committing us to being as safe as we possibly can. Um, so we can we stay at our own campus at our own complex most of the time and um, just trying to ride it out, <laughs> trying to stay as healthy as as we can. But the spring now that it's springtime and it's warm, I I hope you know for not only here but for for everywhere that the better weather can can give some good healing healing juice. Yeah, no, I I hope we have that here in New York at some point soon. Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) You know, um, have you learned anything about Kazakhstan so far? I mean, like you've been there a little while. Yep, a little over two years. I think what I've learned, I've learned, I mean, I've learned enough Russian to be able to like manage. So that's the primary language here. Yeah. you know, I think it's the same as every, you know, anyone who's ever traveled abroad and you, you get the, the good amount of culture shock. Um, it's, it's a learning, ex- it's always a learning experience. There's always something um, like a new life experience every day, whether you are learning a new word or like kind of being able to match a sound to one of their letters <laughs> that they yeah. fight with. Um trying a new food or learning um, a new traditional, like, lifestyle thing. Uh, you know, for instance, like, after practice, you you don't just um, – they take the cold very seriously. So I couldn't just, you know, sit down on the grass and, like, take my cleats off. Like, I need to sit on a towel or, like, a yoga mat or something or else I'm standing and taking, like <laughs> – my cleats off so just very like you know small details like that always make for for good stories <laughs> um you know it's interesting i know when some americans think of kazakhstan they they think of the sasha baron cohen film character borat yes um how do people in Kazakhstan feel about Borat and it has, has that come up in conversation with people there? That has actually never come up in conversation here. <laughs> um, I, my teammates like, um, you know, similar movies. I, um, the, the, the big Pixar ones, mm-hmm. like those are really popular. Um, okay. popular here more. Um, I think, if there's English subtitles, they can, they can watch. But like those, you know, the common cartoon ones that everyone watches growing up, like Spirit, Stallion, Stallion of the Cimarron, like that Pixar one is very yeah. popular here. Um, so different things like that. I wouldn't. I don't even know if I watched that movie when I was, <laughs> or I haven't watched it yet. I mean, I know your team there has had success in the past lots Mm -hmm. of national titles in the league there uh the club has now reached the champions league round of 16 i think three times in recent years you did again this year uh you hosted bayern munich a few days ago as you did last year in the round of 16 yeah 
took a 6-1 loss, which is tough, but you did score against a Bayern team that has conceded only two goals in 14 games in the Bundesliga this season. Mm-hmm. What's the soccer like over there? How, you know, how have you experienced that, you know, in relation to your American soccer experience? It's far more diverse. Uh, mm-hmm. I think, you know, coming from, I think I've come from places, you know, in college and then in my uh, early in my professional career where the st- the style was very, um, it's this way. It's just how we do things. You know, in college, I played a 4-3-3, like mm-hmm. run and gun, you know, type of thing. Right. Um, you know, in Japan, it was a lot of numbers in a small area around the ball. Um, and so I think here when we, we bring it, we have our, you know, our local our local players who are on, um, you know, the national team. And then we have other international players from uh, from Zambia, who bring in their own their own element, and then us Americans, we bring in our own element, um, and we're all coming from different different levels of experience as well, and it makes for an attack that can be very very dynamic, like like mm-hmm. we see, and um, you know, it's that balance of someone's strengths being someone else's weaknesses and and you put it all together and and it can work it can Mm -hmm. absolutely work um i think you know where we lack is is the experience that a Bayern munich side is gonna have i mean with some of those girls have whoa sorry um those some of those girls have played together for i gosh is like (laughs) longer than i've been alive almost you know and so um we won't have that element and that's okay, but because uh, not everyone can have that element, that's a very special um, piece of the puzzle to have that can, like you said earlier, like they just don't lose. <laughs> um, and, you know, but that's the goal. And that's that's always what, what you're striving to compete with. Well, I mean, you and I were talking before we started recording just that in your opinion, having played Bayern Munich a year ago, like this Bayern mm-hmm. team, even compared to last year, is completely different. They're on a different level. And we've seen that in mm-hmm. in the German league. I mean, they've sort of left Wolfsburg behind. And not long ago, Wolfsburg was winning Champions League. So, mm-hmm. like, like, Bayern's legit. Um, I... I'm curious to know, like, do you and the other American players spend a lot of time together there? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, we are, we are, they are my closest friends, mm-hmm. without a doubt. Mm-hmm. How, how does it work? Like, do you, do you have a living situation where you guys are all in the same mm-hmm. place? Or how how is yep. that? Yep. So we, um, we let, we have our own little it's like a I would say um if you've ever been like in a college athletic department if you just kind of put the dorms and the cafeteria dining area in that athletic department Mm -hmm. that's where that's what our complex is like um and so I could I could toss my 
my phone right out my window onto the field and it probably wouldn't break. <laughs> That's a risk <laughs> I would be willing to take. Um, so our fields are here, our, our weight room is right here, our dining is here. Um, we each have our own rooms um, with our you know bathrooms and everything. There's the locker room too. Um, so everything is provided for us and we are very, very blessed because um, not a, not all it's not like this everywhere else this is the first club i've played for where the convenience is mm-hmm. exceptional i mean that was going to be one of my questions which is like do you guys get treated well absolutely mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. nice no that's good and it's yeah unfortunately not all girls who try to do what we do can say that and but it's like that in life, you know, certain jobs or schools or whatever, you're going to love it. You're going to, you know, not like it as much or it's going to be a bad experience, but it's going to mold you um, into uh, a better person in the end if you want it to. But the I'm well aware of uh, the convenience and how well taken care of I'm here and I never take it for granted. Yeah, yeah. Um. Do you have any stories from your time there that you would call sort of only in Kazakhstan stories of your experience? Oh Oh my, um, oh goodness. (laughs) Um, oh wow. There's, oh gosh. I think, um, I I have one that might not. I want to put Kazakhstan like. I want to put it in a good light, so I'll tell this one. Okay. Um, when because this is for I guess this would be for the listeners who still think that Kazakhstan might be unsafe. Um, <laughs> so my my lovely fiance was visiting me here um, two summers ago, and. I, at this point, like, you know, I hadn't even been here a year, so my Russian was even less than it is now, mm. which is not that much. <laughs> <laughs> and so we take a, we take an Uber, like, taxi um, to, a, to a little park we're going to walk it around in before going to dinner. And I leave my phone in the back of the, co- in the, back of the taxi. Okay. And so th- this is a huge problem because... <laughs> Because I don't have a SIM card, I don't have international data, I don't have, I have no way of communicating anything for someone to help me. And so this taxi driver eventually realizes what I had done, probably five minutes later, maybe ten minutes later, but to me it felt like an eternity. He came back and returned my phone. And it was just a very, very nice, incredibly nice gesture because he could have he could have taken that and just, oh, this is going to be a nice little cash, cash cow right here. But, um, yeah, so I would say that the... the it doesn't, it, it doesn't always fit the stereotype. And I'll never forget that because I was... I was a little ball of anxiety for those 10 minutes <laughs> until I he came you. back. <laughs> I hear you. I'm glad you brought yeah. your phone back. That's good. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, it, it's, it, it's just really interesting to me. Like 
you're in this place that's very far away from any place mm-hmm. in the U.S. And I, I'm assuming that your fiance is not there all the time, like, no. mm-hmm. and your family's not there all the time. Right. Do you like how do you deal with that? Like, how do you deal mm. with being so far away from everything? Yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, I've been doing it. I'm originally from Michigan. Mm-hmm. And so playing soccer in Florida, it feels like, you know, I've been doing this for, oh my gosh, like so long. And I have, and it does, um, it does take a toll, but I think you have to have that bigger perspective of, you know, in the circle of life, this like little 10 year chunk is, you know, only like 10% of my life if I live to be a hundred, you know, and, um, this would be the time to do it. And, you know, just maximizing what I physically can do right now, what, you know, the mental side, what I can do right now. Um, I always miss my family. I love my family. Um, But they also, and they're, but at the same time, like, they're my number one supporters and my biggest fans. Yeah, no, I can imagine. like how long do you want to stay in Kazakhstan? I don't know how long your contract lasts or if you want to potentially mm-hmm. extend it, you know? I mean, this is this is professional soccer. You're you're playing at right. a Right. Yeah. League yeah, level. it's a business. Mhm. It's a business and I think that uh you're always looking to develop. Um you know, if there's if certain players want to try to reach for a higher level, um you know, they, they look at this experience with Champions League through that lens. Um, you know, and at the same time, different players, you know, maybe like, you know, for instance, me, I never had a U.S. youth national team experience. I came from no individual accolades and college. <laughs> like, I have literally willed willpowered my way into everything I've ever achieved and so for me this is realistically being you know 26 and a half years old like this is as this is my level um this is as good as it gets for me so I'm kind of looking at it through that lens and then we have younger players um who are all active national team members I think Mm -hmm. we it's more common to be on your national team side with my team than to not be. Um, so they're, they're always looking at that, that lens too. Um, and it's, you know, so, some players, we just had our, um, our captain for, for years and years and years and years. She just retired. Huh. Um, and, and so it's like this melting pot of, okay, we have, you know, we have the young international ambitious, and then we also have the, the veteran, um, the veterans who have been here mm-hmm. and like they they're okay rounding out their career here um, but I think that's always you know that's always something to think about too is you know do you want it to be you know do you want it to be somewhere where you've been comfortable or do you want to like <laughs> Do you want to make it more convenient for yourself and and play in your home, you know, in your home Mm -hmm. country's league? Uh, But what I find is that a lot of players like it here because we're always new and exciting because of the diversity that we have. Right, right. 
In terms of the domestic league there, what what's that side of things like? Um, I'm try I try it's I'm trying to compare it to maybe um maybe like the women's side back home where it's very much in that growth mm-hmm. um the growth stage but just not nearly as fast. <laughs> okay. Not nearly as fast as the women's side. Um, in the States where, you know, we don't, I think there's, uh, maybe eight teams now. Um, and not all of our teams have the men's affiliate club, which certainly, certainly helps. Um, Mm -hmm. we are actually one of those clubs that we don't have the direct men's affiliate. Um, but just constantly trying to add teams and add add the revenue. But, you know, because we've actually done so well in Champions League, UEFA mm-hmm. gave our second-place club um, a spot in the qualifying round, which is fantastic for Kazakhstan Football Federation to have two women's clubs go um, and be represented in Champions League. So that nice. was that was a great great step um, for our for our women's league here. And I should mention, I mean, like last year and this year, your team has gone to the round of thirty two and won over two legs mm-hmm. to advance to the round of sixteen. Mm-hmm. So pretty impressive. Um, well, very cool, Shannon McCarthy played soccer at the University of Miami in Florida. She's now playing in Women's Champions League mm-hmm. in UEFA for the Kazakh Club. Beat Kazagurt with five other Americans. Shannon, thank you so much for joining the show. No problem. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Football with Grant Wall. I'd like to thank Shannon McCarthy as well as producer and pundit Chris Whittingham. If you like the podcast, you could do me a huge favor and hit that subscribe button and provide a rating and a review. I'm back soon with another interview of someone from the soccer world. Be safe, everyone. See you next time.